0: Hello Crucible Church, good to be with you again today. How are things going with you? Quarantine day 654 I believe it is, that's at least what it feels like to me. Um, Yeah, it's crazy times we're living in but I hope that you're all surviving and doing well uh, with your mental health and with connecting with other people, connecting with God in prayer once again. So sorry that uh, me and my family couldn't be with you in person but glad that we can connect this way over the virtual realm. (laughs) How are your uh, quarantine haircuts going by the way? Mine is really not looking good. I gotta get someone to trim this and my wife really does not want to do it. Anyways, let's move on. Let's go into our sermon for today. So, uh, Jonathan's been leading you through a series the last few weeks on heroes, villains, and redemption. And each week uh, we've been exploring one comic book character and going through their bio, looking at their abilities, their backstory a little bit. But most importantly, we're looking at these characters and asking, how can the gospel redeem them? What can Jesus speak into these people's lives? How can Jesus change these people's lives? What can God do for these different characters? So it's really interesting. Uh, Each comic book character has a unique personality, unique traits, and so it's been uh, cool to see how Jonathan's been unpacking it so far. And uh, today I'm gonna be getting into uh, Magneto. Um, Just to give you a little bit of a backstory on my relationship with comic books, when I was a kid I actually didn't read that many comic books, uh, mostly Archie comics, Um, but I did read a little bit of uh, Spider-Man and Fantastic Four, those were kind of my favorites as a kid. Uh, my introduction to comic book characters really was through uh, movies and television, though. That's where I really got into some characters. Um, I loved the old Superman movies a lot. I also loved the uh, Michael Keaton Batman movies. That, that was a really big deal when I was in high school. Um, and even when I was just a little kid, I remember watching the old school Batman TV show, which is crazy. And also the Incredible Hulk TV show, which is even more ridiculous. But anyways... Um, For me, everything really changed when 2000 came along and the first X-Men movie came out. For me, that was just a a huge game changer as far as comic book movies go. I didn't really know much about X-Men at all. I actually had some X-Men toys as a kid, but I didn't know their stories or anything. And that movie just made me fall in love with the series. This was a significant shift for comic book movies, this X-Men movie. It was more realistic. It was less cartoonish than the other ones. And I just believe that it cracked the code on on how to do comic book movies well. Um, So today we're going to be exploring Magneto, as I said, who I think is an incredible comic book character because he's so unique and complex. And if you don't know much about him, I'm going to introduce him to you by the way that I was introduced from the opening scene of the 2000 film X-Men. Uh, the scene that we're going to be seeing is Nazi occupied Poland in 1944 and there's a, a young Eric Lenscher is separated from his parents upon entering the Auschwitz concentration camp. So let's take a look. <coughs> I'm oh, sorry. So that's our introduction. Eric will grow up to become Magneto, uh, who we see in these pictures here. And Magneto is a very powerful mutant. A mutant is an evolved human who has superhuman abilities. And As you saw from that clip. Uh, Magneto has the ability to generate and control magnetic fields, which gives him almost limitless abilities. He can manipulate all kinds of metals, and that's just an incredible power. Uh, He wears these metal bracelets on his wrists and on his ankles that give him the ability to levitate and float, which is an incredible power. He can also create force fields that protect him from all sorts of attacks, and they even give him the ability to survive in deep space, which is just, yeah... Out of control well his experiences in Nazi, Nazi Germany as we saw and his other experiences as he grows up seeing humans respond to his powers even his own family it completely shapes his outlook on the relationship between humans and mutants he has seen the depths of human evil and he vows to protect mutant kind by any means necessary In this uh, comic book uh, classic X-Men number 19, Magneto says this, I endured one death camp in Auschwitz. I will not see another people fear what they do not understand and destroy what they fear. He also says this in Uncanny X-Men number 150, I remember my own childhood, the gas chambers of Auschwitz, the guards joking as they herded my family to their death. As our lives were nothing to them, So human lives became nothing to me. Pretty, pretty harsh stuff there. Uh, Magneto came to believe that violence was the only realistic means towards equality. And he even adopted a new scientific term for mutants. He called his race Homo Superior instead of Homo Sapiens for us. Well, this perspective on human-mutant relationships is juxtaposed with the perspective of Charles Xavier, also known as Professor X. Uh, Professor X, if you don't know, is an exceptionally powerful telepath who can read and control the mind of others. He is the founder of the X-Men, and he promotes peaceful coexistence and equality between humans and mutants. The thing that caused me to really fall in love with X Men is this relationship between Professor X and Magneto. Rather than being mortal enemies like most comic books would have, they're actually longtime friends. This makes Magneto a very complicated character. Magneto has done some incredibly horrendous things, and he's often seen as the main villain of the X Men. Like, take a look at this cover from this comic where Magneto is crying out, I did it! I, Magneto, have destroyed the X-Men! And the Avengers are next! Magneto is a terrible guy, (laughs) but he's not so easily classified. And I actually wonder if Magneto really is a villain in the traditional sense. Because Magneto and Professor X, they both care about mutants. And they want to create a better world for them. In the movies and in the comics, we see Magneto many times joining up with the X-Men like in this scene here from Days of Future Past. In the future, there's these mutant killing robots called Sentinels who are trying to exterminate all the mutants. Well, they're not trying. They're very successful at it. And Magneto is teaming up with the X-Men to try and stop them. And not only did Magneto join the X-Men at times, many times throughout the series, he was even headmaster of their school for a long period of time, and he was appointed to that position by his friend, Professor X. So, is Magneto a villain? Well, he has harmed, and he's killed multiple humans, he's even killed some mutants, he's committed terrible, incredible acts... He's formed the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, which doesn't sound so good for him. But at times through the series, he repents for his actions, and ultimately, his internal goal is to protect his fellow mutants who are being marginalized, who are abused, who are slaughtered. Stan Lee, the creator of X-Men and Magneto, had this to say, I did not think of Magneto as a bad guy. He just wanted to strike back at the people who were so bigoted and racist. He was trying to defend the mutants, and because society was not treating them fairly, he was going to teach society a lesson. He was a danger, of course, but I never thought of him as a villain. So with all this in mind, how can the good news of Jesus redeem Magneto? You know, Magneto, he has every right to be angry at humanity. He has seen humanity at its worst. He witnessed firsthand the 10 stages of genocide that are described here by Gregory Stanton. You can see the first stage of genocide is classification. It's when we start distinguishing people into us and them by their ethnicity, by their race, religion, or nationality. Then we begin symbolization, which is giving names or symbols to these classifications, distinguishing people by color or dress, and applying symbols to group members. The next phase is dehumanization, denying the humanity of the other group. Members are equated with animals, vermin, insects, or diseases. And certainly Magneto would have seen this happening in Poland as he was being raised. Next, we move into organization. Organizing plans for genocide, usually by the state, often using militias to provide deniability of state responsibility. Then we go to polarization. Hate groups broadcast polarizing propaganda. Laws may forbid intermarriage or social interaction. Uh, The next step is preparation. There's separating victims because of ethnic or religious identity. Death lists are drawn up property is uh, ex-proposal, I'm not even going to try and say that word. (laughs) Uh, The the, um, ninth step is extermination, Uh, the mass killing, which is legally called genocide. It is extermination to the killers because they do not believe that their victims are fully human. That's really important. You can see how we're going along like you're starting off with just simple things like us versus them and then you're starting to slowly dehumanize and then you get to the point where you don't even see these people as human at all and it doesn't matter if you kill them or not or what you do to them. And then the final stage is denial. denying, uh, Deny committing any crimes, often blaming what happened on the victims, covering up evidence and intimidating witnesses. Well throughout um, Magneto's life in the comics and in the movies... Magneto has seen humanity go through these same stages with the mutants. There's things like, uh, uh, I don't want to get into it all, but there's a lot of things that he starts to see where humans are going the the route of genocide for mutants. It's going to happen. And Magneto wants justice. He wants protection. He wants dignity for mutants. And those are all great, good, admirable things. Godly things, I would even say. But... His way of going about getting those things is not quite right, and that's where I believe he needs to hear the words of Jesus from the Sermon on the Mount. And before we get into the Sermon on the Mount, let me just uh, take a moment to pray for us. God, I thank you so much for uh, for the Bible, for the words that you speak to us today, even uh, thousands of years later, words that bring us life and and help us um, uh experience new life, God, experience you in a new way. I thank you also for comic books. I thank you for the stories that authors have written over time that help us to understand the human condition, help us to understand our flaws, our weaknesses, our uh, successes even. I thank you, God, that your word speaks into all contexts and that now today we can look at your word uh, speaking to us through the Bible, into comic book characters, to our lives today. So I pray, God, that you'd, you'd speak to us as we look at uh, these words that could be heard for Magneto. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so let's keep going. In Matthew 5, uh, 38 to 42, we read these words. You've heard that it was said, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. Magneto isn't even following that simple command. With Magneto, it's more like, I'm gonna take your body if you take my eye and I'm gonna take your whole city if you take my tooth. But Jesus is pushing that old command beyond eye for an eye. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Wow, Jesus is calling for an end to all violence and a new era of grace. Magneto wants peace, but his plan to get there is through violence, not the love that Jesus is expressing here. Jesus continues in Matthew five forty-three to 45 you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Jesus gives us a new command to love our enemies and to pray for those who persecute you. This is a completely New way of life. It's not one that comes naturally to us. Love our enemies and pray for them. Why? Why would we love our enemies? They're our enemies for a reason. And this is why I think Magneto is such an amazing character, because he wrestles with this concept. Remember this pain that I uh, panel that I showed you earlier. In this story here. Magneto thinks that he has killed the mutant named Kitty Pride by accident. And he breaks down because she's only a child, and it reminds him of his own daughter's death. She's also Jewish. And Magneto is distressed by the idea of killing someone who's like himself, someone also persecuted for their faith and for being a mutant. And in this moment following, Magneto laments to Storm I believed so much in my destiny, in my own personal vision, that I was prepared to pay any price, make any sacrifice to achieve it. But I forgot the innocents who would suffer in the process. Can you not appreciate the irony, Aurora? In my zeal to remake the world, I have become much like those I have always hated and despised. Hear that? In my zeal to remake the world, I have become much like those I have always hated and despised. In this rare moment, Magneto realizes he is doing the same thing to humans that humans did to him and his race. He's so afraid humanity will commit genocide against the mutants that he starts moving in the direction of committing genocide against humanity. His desire for vengeance has made him into the same thing that the human, uh, yeah. His desire for vengeance has made him into what he hated so much in humans. So, what is the solution for Magneto? Where is redemption for him? Well, Jesus offers two commands love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. The first command is is a complete change of heart and perspective. It requires a whole reprogramming of our internal nature. The words love and enemies, they do not compute. They don't go together. It should be love and friends and hate and enemies. Those are the words that go together, not love and enemies. Jesus is calling us to stop looking at our enemies as enemies. They are our enemies, they deserve to be called our enemies, but we can't love them if that's how we're looking at them. When I was looking at the stages earlier, the third stage of genocide is dehumanization. We view our enemies as monsters and even demons. They're not equal to us, they're not fellow humans. We are the good ones, they are the evil ones. You know, the Pharisees, they shamed Jesus constantly for dining with sinners without realizing the irony that they themselves are also sinners. If I hate people who hurt me, I am not hating monsters or demons. I am hating fellow human beings. I am hating humans who were created by God. Fellow humans who are loved by God. The good news of Jesus is that there is hope for all humans. If our enemies are monsters or demons, there is no hope for them. They cannot change. That's their unchangeable nature. But with humans, there is always hope that Jesus can redeem them. Difficult words to hear because we often don't want to forgive our enemies. We don't want to let them off the hook. We want them to feel the same pain that we felt when they hurt us. It's not natural, but when Jesus calls us to love our enemies, we need to remember that he's not saying our enemies deserve love or that we should ignore their actions. Jesus is calling us to a radical agape love, to love someone despite their actions. To love someone unconditionally and freely. And Jesus knows something that we don't know. Jesus knows that the only way to change a person's internal being for good is agape, unconditional love. You can use force and violence to reprogram someone, but that doesn't lead to life. It leads to death. And in fact, the method that you use to reach out to someone affects you as well. If you reach out with violence, then you yourself are led towards death. Just look at Magneto and the internal torment that he faces constantly as he continuously hates his enemies. But when we reach out with love, then our hearts begin to experience new life. Jesus calls us to love our enemies, and I would argue that our first enemy that we need to love is ourselves. Think about all the times when you've put yourself down in your head, or berated yourself for a mistake you made, or criticized yourself harshly. You've dehumanized yourself to a certain extent. You've come at yourself with force and violence. When God is calling us to love ourselves, and to take care of ourselves. And that's not easy even for us to do in ourselves. (laughs) So how do we move forward in this command of loving our enemies? Because loving our enemies is just incredibly difficult. Well, Jesus gives us a second command to help us. Pray for those who persecute you. Pray, meaning go to God. Give it to him. Give God all of your desire for vengeance and justice and hate Let him be the one to deal with your enemies. But remember, Jesus isn't asking us to pray that God will smite our enemies. We're praying that God will love our enemies. We're not able to love our enemies in our own strength. We need the spirit of Jesus to do a major renovation of our hearts. And that takes supernatural power. I totally believe that. When you pray to God, please don't fake it. Be genuine with Him. It's probably going to start with you acknowledging, God, I hate this person. I hate what they've done to me. I hate how they've messed up my life, how they've ruined everything. But God, I want to change. I want to have the same heart of Jesus. I want to love with the same love of Jesus. When He said on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. When we pray for others rather than against others we begin to put ourselves in their shoes we begin to see things from their perspective jesus was able to forgive his enemies from the cross because he understood them they were ignorant to what they were doing they were confused you know perhaps they were being manipulated by their superiors or or maybe in their past they were hurt so badly that Something inside them just caused them to want to hurt others. Whatever their motives were, Jesus used the practice of putting himself into their shoes to make the first steps towards forgiveness. Can I invite you right now to consider what this passage might mean for you today? Who are the enemies in your life? Who are the people who have hurt you or who have hurt someone that you love so much that you just have this darkness inside your heart towards them? Is it someone from high school, maybe, or university? Is it someone who was once a close friend? Is it a parent or maybe a sibling or a cousin? Perhaps it's a co worker or a boss or a client. It could even be someone that you don't even know. Or it could be someone like a, not a someone, but a group of people. Or the government even. We all have enemies in our lives. As I'm preaching this to you now, I'm preaching this to myself. I can think of specific people in my past who have really hurt me and hurt people in my life. And some of them I've been able to let go of the pain. But some of them I still struggle with it. I still struggle to uh, want to have any sort of conversation with them. I, I um, block them out of my memory. Um, I don't want to go there. But I know that what they've done has caused something inside me to be broken. So for you and for me... Who are the enemies in our life? I'm going to pray for you right now. That the Spirit gives you strength and imagination. To make those difficult first steps to respond to those people in love. I pray. The Spirit gently nudges you to surrender your pain and your hate to God in prayer. And I pray that. As we pray for others, we begin to understand where they're coming from so that we can move forward in forgiving them. It's only by prayer that this is gonna happen, that we're gonna be able to love our enemies. It's only by the power of God. It's just not natural within us. So I just exhort you, I just encourage you, give it to God, let it go, go to him. And then seek out other help. Talk with other people. Don't do this by yourself. We need a community of Christians around us, our brothers and sisters, to walk us through the pain that we're going through. I found this uh, article online uh, called um, What What It Actually Means to Love Your Enemies by Thomas Christensen. He had this to say. Loving your enemy does not mean that you have to add them to your Christmas list or make them your best friend. It doesn't mean you excuse their actions. It means you forgive them with the knowledge that God is both merciful and just. We're not going to be friends with these people overnight. Our relationships are not going to be magical and this mystical change. Sometimes that happens. Rarely does it. What's really going on is a change in our heart. A change in our heart towards that person. And hopefully... God changes that other person's heart through our forgiveness. To forgive is to let go. It's to let God be the one to enact justice. To forgive is to free yourself first from a prison of hate and resentment. And then hopefully it leads the other person to free themselves from their own prison, which has caused them to hurt you in whatever way they have. History is filled with people That were once considered monsters and demons. But Jesus redeemed and restored those people to full humanity. No human is beyond hope. Jesus demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I want to leave you today with, uh, and I want to leave Magneto with this blessing that's adapted from Paul's words in Romans 12. Let me pray this over your life as we go today. May you not repay anyone evil for evil. May you be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, may you live at peace with everyone. May you not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. And may you not be overcome with by evil, but may you overcome evil with good. Amen.